Last month, the BBC said it would put seven unvaccinated people into a house and try and convince them that everything they thought they knew about the vaccines was based upon mis- and disinformation. It claimed it wanted to provide viewers with an eye-opening investigation that would fully explore this complex and deeply divisive debate. Was it as advertised? Stay tuned and find out. BBC's press release promised a documentary, which sounded very well researched and professional by all accounts. But what we actually got, as many suspected would happen, was an unrealistic documentary that manipulated the reported data. It cherry-picked the science. It omitted vital information and produce. In effect, it was just a sales pitch for the COVID-19 jobs. From the first minute of this documentary, it was clear that the BBC had an agenda and that was to convince everyone to take the vaccine. So the real purpose of this, of this documentary was not to explore the debate as they claimed in their press release, but rather to persuade people to get the jab as well as maintain belief in the COVID-19 vaccine among those who already vaccinated to almost let them believe they've done the right thing. The BBC never had any intention of objectively reporting the facts or encouraging any genuine discussion of the evidence. Its purpose, as usual, was to promote the government narrative and that was it. This was plain to see when Professor Fry said in the programme I just want to remind everyone just how critical the vaccines have been in allowing us all to go back to normal. What? Back to fucking normal? You think this is back to normal? We're hardly back to normal, but now we know what politicians really get up to. Our government's removal of our rights and freedoms, for one, usually taken for granted by everyone. To always be there. This new model of government hasn't gone down too well with the public, but through fear campaigns, it has convinced most people to adapt and just follow the rules. But the decisions made during the so-called pandemic had inescapable consequences. Professor Hannah Fry, whose opening statements in the documentary was there are still around 4 million adults in the UK who remain unvaccinated. Falsified data in the opening statement. If you go onto the Office for National Statistics website, you can see for yourself that figure falls well short. The actual figure surpasses 7.2 million, but I wouldn't expect anything else from the BBC's propaganda. If Professor Hannah Fry thinks that this is back to normal, then God help us. As a society in general, <clears throat> we have been psychologically manipulated into accepting dictatorship without question. 
whenever our government feels the need to change our behaviour and to push us into a certain direction, the vaccines and vaccine passports being part of the biosecurity controls that seem to enable them to do just that. Then by definition, this is not back to normal. No one can see a doctor these days for love nor money. Hospital appointments? Forget it. We are being pushed to go private, if you haven't already noticed. After making that misleading remark about the 4 million adults in the UK remaining unvaccinated, Professor Fry questioned the rationale for remaining unvaccinated. She said, I want to understand why and find out if anything can change their minds. From the start of the BBC's programme, it was clear that the, the filmmakers had an agenda to convince everyone to get the vaccine. That was, that was it. That was the purpose of the whole programme. Prior to the alleged COVID-19 pandemic, no way would the UK public have tolerated such a dictatorial proclamation by any politician. But now statements like self-isolation and lockdowns receive barely a murmur of dissent. The vast majority of the population meekly accepts that the government requires these draconian powers to impose its authoritarian will upon us whenever it claims there is a good reason. Well, sod that. To sum it all up, the COVID-19 jabs most assuredly have not enabled us to return to any kind of recognisable normal. Fry's claim was absurd. Indeed, unvaccinated with Professor Hannah Fry could have been more accurately titled Propaganda with Professor Hannah Fry. So let's take a closer look at the BBC's propaganda. The BBC are in total denial of any adverse events. A participant named Nazarene was filmed telling Professor Fry about her friend who started having neurological problems a few days after the Pfizer jab and subsequently suffered a stroke and multiple heart attacks. Then Fry asked Nazarene, how can you be sure that was the vaccine and not something that would have happened anyway? Nazarene's reply was pertinent. If you've been completely healthy before, that one thing changed and then days later you're suddenly experiencing all these things you've never had before, like paralysis and like seizures. The chances of that happening to someone so young, I would say not possible. It's not just her. There are so many people going through the same thing. Now Fry's response to Nazarene sounded quite reasonable referring to the percentage chance that a healthy young person's severe health events soon after vaccination may not be attributed to the vaccine. Fry said, it's not zero though. True enough, but what Fry did not concede, as highlighted by Nazarene, is that it is likely that the adverse event was caused by the jab. Given the circumstances, Professor Fry then added, I just don't think it's enough to say it's happening a lot without the evidence for it. Nazarene and fellow participant Vicky later gave an interview to GB News in which they revealed that the BBC excluded key witness accounts from the programme. For example, Nazarene 
said she repeatedly told the BBC that her great-grandmother died shortly after receiving the jab and that her grandmother had a stroke following her jab. Vicky reported that Nazarene wasn't the only participant among the seven to have told the BBC about family members who had possible, uh, possibly suffered a severe adverse reaction, even you know as a result of the jab. None of these personal accounts were reported by the BBC. What a surprise! Professor Fry's insistence upon evidence would have been reasonable only if the BBC had been willing to consider and perhaps more importantly objectively report all the evidence but the BBC didn't do that. Professor Fry invited the seven unvaccinated participants to discuss vaccine adverse events yet at no point throughout the whole program did Fry actually report what the numbers of reported AEs actually were. Instead she was eager to repeatedly suggest that there wasn't really any link between the AEs and the vaccine. In a scientific paper Professor Fry was using as evidence, she misrepresented the paper's findings in an attempt to convince both the participants and the BBC audience that more than three quarters of reported AEs are probably attributed to the non-SIBO effect or the nocebo effect. Not only was this deceptive but Fry failed to report the deeply concerning results that were reported in the same paper with respect to severe AEs. She went on trying to convince the audience and their participants of her findings with jelly beans but the professor isn't the only one to grossly underestimate the relationship between the jab and myocarditis for instance. The UK's MHRA has collated the yellow card surveillance reports which suggest there may be 1,112 myocarditis AEs associated with the COVID-19 jabs in the UK. The, M the MHRA calls such an event a possible adverse drug reaction and ADR. So it's important to note that in 2018 the MHRA estimated that only 10% of severe ADRs are reported to the yellow card system. But since then, the MHRA has done nothing to remedy the problem of the underreporting rate and an underreporting rate as high as 90%. Indeed, there could be more than 11,000 myocarditis RDAs, ADRs associated with this jab for all we know. As frequently noted by the MHRA, the yellow cards are only capturing a small proportion of ADRs. The only question is, what proportion? But without fixing the underreporting problem, there is no reliable evidence to support the MHRA's claim that these possible ADRs are very rare. On the contrary, scientific evidence suggests reason for marked concern. US and Israeli researchers found that the overall incident rates of myocarditis among those who received the Pfizer jab has more than doubled. Myocarditis impacts some de demographic groups more than others, for people aged 18 to 24 particularly, but not exclusively males. French scientists found that the rates increase following the Pfizer jab was more than 
eight times higher and following the Moderna jab, a staggering 30 times higher. For Professor Fry to dismiss by omission these legitimate concerns using a spurious, statistically inaccurate jelly bean analogy is frankly appalling. Throughout the programme, Professor Fry and the BBC persistently relied upon statistical claims that there that uh, are officially acknowledged to be inaccurate. At no point did the BBC disclose this to its audience. For example, Professor Fry, she addressed an information leaflet produced by people who are concerned about vaccine safety. The document, titled Consent Checklist, urges would-be jab recipients to consider some key information before they opt to get the jab. The document reminds people that the manufacturers have no civil liability for any harm caused by their products, that the jabs don't protect against infection or stop transmission of SARS-CoV-2, that AEs associated with the jabs are potentially serious and that due to the lack of clinical trials, the long-term health impacts of the jabs are unknown, all of which is true. In its unflinching investigation of the debate, the BBC didn't bother to reveal any of the points made by the consent checklist. Instead, Professor Fry called it anti-vax propaganda. She was apparently irked because the document stated that there was a calculated one in every 29,389 chance of dying from the jab. She said, it's my job to look into numbers like this and I can tell you it's an absolute fact. This is complete nonsense. How does Professor Fry know this? She didn't explain anything. She provided no sources whatsoever and she simply threw out a claim without any evidence. Perhaps we should trust her simply because she works for the BBC and says that she's an expert. We can be certain that many people have been killed by the jabs. Sadly, this includes one of their own, the BBC's own Lisa Shaw. And there have been other proven deaths from the COVID-19 jabs. As of January 2022, the ONS has reported 15 UK deaths clinically coded as being caused by a COVID-19 jab. Although we know that figure is a hell of a lot higher but these are proven cases. As pointed out by Professor Lawrence Young, he's a virologist based at Warwick University. He said the official coding of a vaccine death alone is unlikely to reflect the totality. Given the data from the MHRA, he noted that the ONS figure was way too low. Professor Young said, there was a need for more detailed investigation to reconcile these different estimates. He added that to make this assessment a detailed review of death certificates, autopsy if available and medical records would be needed. Herein lies the problem with any claims made about the UK mortality caused by the jabs, including Professor Fry's 
the MHRA has done nothing to investigate any of the reported vaccine-related deaths. It is content simply to continue to search for signals within official recorded figures which, by its own admission, are totally wrong. Consequently, all anyone can say is the MHRA has recorded 2,207 possible vaccine-related deaths in the UK, which could equate to more than 22,000, given the estimate of 10% reporting. We also know from UKHSA that approximately 48 UK adults have been jumped. If we ignore the acknowledged under-reporting problem, this currently suggests a possible one in every 22,000 risk of death caused by vaccination. If we account for the possible scale of under-reporting though, the current jab-related mortality risk is potentially one in every 2,200 jabbed. Now these calculations do not prove the mortality risk associated with the COVID-19 jabs. They merely suggest it. This was made clear in the document that Fry attacked for the camera. That document stated that the estimate of one in every 29,000 risk was based upon officially reported figures. It was an accurate estimate given the available evidence at the time, as the reported risk did not reflect the known yellow card under-reporting issue. The quoted one in every 29,000 risk was, in all probability, the lowest possible estimate. As highlighted by Professor Young, without the thorough investigation, we don't know what the truth is. Absent further analysis, there is no reliable evidence to inform any assessment of the relative risks associated with the jabs. So how Professor Fry could be absolutely certain that the claims made about vaccine mortality rates were complete nonsense is totally mystifying. Despite her conviction and self-declared expert status, it was actually Professor Fry's seemingly authoritative assertion that was complete nonsense. What Professor Fry asserted was entirely in keeping with the BBC's propaganda message. During the documentary, the BBC downplayed and denied any adverse events associated with the COVID-19 vaccines wherever possible. It deliberately misinterpreted the available statistical evidence, omitted or misreported the science that ran contrary to its agenda, and attempted to thoroughly deceive the participants and its viewers to encourage them to get potentially harmful injections. Professor Fry, she also held discussions with two participants, Nazarene and Vicky, who asked her to clarify the vaccine's approval and trial status. Fry and the BBC gave an entirely false impression that approval signifies that the jabs have completed clinical trials. For instance, Professor Fry stated that the jabs had been through the same approval process as paracetamol. This was not true. The Access Consortium of the regulatory authorities from the UK, Canada, Australia, Switzerland and Singapore explain why this is not the case. 
initial vaccine approvals or emergency authorizations may be based on interim analysis of ongoing randomized placebo-controlled phase three clinical trials. That's a bloody mouthful, that is, isn't it? Phase three trials do not need to be complete for a COVID-19 jab to be approved. They remain incomplete for the original Pfizer and Moderna jabs to this day. There is a distinction between approval under emergency authorization and the marketing authorization of a medicine for distribution to the public, or at least there used to be. The Pfizer jab, for example, has yet to meet the required standard for full marketing authorization. To get around this problem, in 2021, the MHRA and the EU regulator called the EMA created something called Conditional Marketing Authorization, CMA. Explaining CMAs, the MHRA stated, the MRHA may grant a CMA where com comprehensive clinical data is not yet complete, but it is judged that such data will become available soon. In other words, this new licensing workaround enables the jabs to receive so-called marketing authorization without the burdensome necessity of completing any phase three clinical trials at all. That is precisely the current condition under which the MHRA gave conditional marketing authorization to Pfizer's jab. Though Pfizer hasn't completed any trials or posted any trial results, it might in the future. Well, we'll see about that, shall we? So that's good enough for the CMA. They might post it in the future, as far as the MH, uh, MHRA are concerned. Now they have based its licensing on Pfizer's drug upon whatever Pfizer has chosen to report, basically. The BBC, represented by Professor Fry, reported none of this crucial context. Instead of honestly answering the participants' questions, the BBC elected to thoroughly obfuscate the issue and redirect viewers' attention towards out-and-out -out falsehoods via a series of highly misleading statements by Fry. Responding to Vicky's legitimate question about the status of the trials, Professor Fry concluded by saying, Vicky is right in some ways. The vaccines do indeed go on to phase four trials after approval, but this is normal. Phase four trials are the ongoing surveillance of the drug after rollout. While it's normal for jabs to go into phase four trials, it is also normal for drugs to complete phase three trials before they are rolled out. The latter has not happened with respect to the COVID jabs, but Fry forgot to mention that minor detail. Vicky was right in more ways than one. Professor Fry cared to admit. This lack of any genuine regulatory oversight has also become normal. The MHRA no longer considers itself a safety monitoring regulatory of pharmaceutical products. Speaking at the MHRA board meeting on the 24th of March 2022, the chief executive of the MHRA, June Rain, said that the MHRA is an enabling regulator 
no longer a watchdog, she added, that its role is to accelerate access to innovate or innovative products. This is in line with the UK government's commitment to the G7's 100-day mission. This is a global public-private partnership initiative to develop a so-called diagnostic therapeutics um, vaccines, DTVs. The extremely dangerous idea is that modern DTVs largely build upon mRNA platform technologies, don't really need any extensive trials or safety surveillance. As soon as a global public health emergency is declared by the World Health Organization, it will trigger governments around the world to feed taxpayer money to pharmaceutical corporations, government partners who will get the DTVs on the market within 100 days. As far back as March 2021, the MHRA was preparing to move away from acting as a public health watchdog towards enabling pharmaceutical corporations to release their products as quickly as possible with the minimum amount of fuss. In reference to what were being called tweaked vaccines, namely new iterations of existing jabs designed to tackle alleged novel variants of COVID-19. So leaving aside the fact that the evidence gathered by the large pivotal clinical studies came from trials for which no results have been posted, the MHRA claimed that the mere act of it approving a COVID-19 jab somehow constituted a strong foundation for it not needing to bother reviewing any further clinical trial data before approving the next drug. Frankly, there is no reason to imagine that the MHRA is even interested in public health. Yet the BBC's expert, Professor Hannah Fry, in response to Vicky and Mazarin said, there are different versions of the vaccine. Well, that's true. It is possible for one version to be approved while simultaneously companies and the researchers are running clinical trials for subsequent versions, she said. She went on to say, so those two things are not in conflict with one another. So every time you get an adaption to the vaccine, you have to go back through the whole process and demonstrate not just that it works, but that it's safe. The whole process is nothing like the one described by Fry. Approval is not based upon clinical trial results, as she intimated. Rather, it's based upon self-serving claims made by the manufacturers about their own trials and their own products. Researchers may be running subsequent trials, but the regulators do not require evidence from them prior to the subsequent marketing authorization of the tweaked jabs. The pharmaceutical corporations do not have to demonstrate that the jabs work and are safe at all. They simply have to make claims to that effect, which the parado uh, paradoxically named regulators will apparently accept without any scrutiny whatsoever. The BBC's so-called documentary was riddled with undisclosed conflicts of interest. Central to its propaganda was an agenda-driven approach to scientific, medical and statistical evidence that would have been apparent to viewers had the BBC been honest about the highly compromised positions of its experts. In its press release announcing the programme, 
the BBC said that Professor Fry's academic work helped bring the UK out of its first lockdown. In truth, her work contributed towards putting us in lockdown. And not only that, but there is significant evidence to suggest that she was part of the, a BBC collaboration with the UK government that created the entire highly dubious concept of a pandemic. Thanks for listening. Until next time, to Lou.